You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. The stage is set for an SEC showdown Monday night, Georgia and Alabama. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello breaking down the big game. Rich, when you look at the college football playoff, though, I mean, when you look at both of those matchups, Alabama's domination over Clemson and Georgia's double overtime win over Oklahoma, for me, both of those games epitomize what is great about the sport and, more importantly, what makes it head and shoulders above the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm biased. I've been covering the sport for almost two decades. I love everything about it, the pageantry, the tradition. Uh, but the passion is what's built in week after week, season after season. The names change. The coaches change. I like that turnover, though. See, I actually, and this is not just hype on my part, I really get excited about new, every new season. Right. So, you know, we, we, we culminate 2017-2018 on Monday night. But Joe and I have already started to look ahead to 2018. Who are going to be the new stars for next season? Who will Joe and I be talking about throughout the offseason and once again, once the season kicks off again in September? So for me, it's a labor of love, and I know it is for you. I think we're really fortunate to be uh, in, a, in a sport that we absolutely love to watch. It is because it, it really is two different sports because you look at Let's look at the NFL with New England now. What's going on with Belichick, Brady, and and Robert Kraft? 18 years that's been going on. For the same quarterback to be there for how long? Peyton Manning was in Indianapolis for how long? The matchups, if you watch a Buffalo Bills-Miami game, show me something I haven't seen. And that's the difference between college football. We have a turnaround in new talent each every two, three years, at the most four so you're getting new talent in and matchups. Georgia, Oklahoma did not play for how long? I mean, they, they, they ever, ever, ever. No. they never played. When you look at uh, Wisconsin and USC in the Holiday Bowl, the last time they played before they did two years ago, 1966. Show me matchups that are new. Show me matchups that are fresh. Well, and I'll throw out the name Jake Fromm. I mean, it was that that was somebody we were not even talking about last season because right. he was still in high school. But then in the off season, we started to you know source our contacts, talk to people, and we were hearing whispers that you know what don't think it's a guarantee that this is Jacob Eason's job. Jacob Eason, the kid from Washington, also a blue chipper who played as a true freshman last year, he gets hurt, opens the door for Fromm, and now Fromm, for the second straight season, we have a true freshman starting in a national championship game. So names like Jake Fromm getting a chance to dig into his background. This is a kid who was a Little League World Series champion, right? right? right. So, you know, I mean, those kinds of stories, they, we, we have new stories, new kinds content, new angles, the UCFs. Who's going to be UCF next year? Yeah. I mean, somebody's going to step up and, well, and hopefully take that I'll mantle. I'll take it one step further. Eli Manning, what's going on in New York? Oh, you can't do that to Eli. You can't bench him. If Eli Manning was part of Nick Saban's crew, what, what would Nick Saban have done if he threw four I think four we picks? would have two Tago Viola out there right now. <laughs> I mean, that's the difference between the NFL and college football, and that's why we're locked and loaded each and every week, because you never know what you're going to get. We get underdog upsets in college football. Everybody talking about how Jacksonville's just going to blow over Buffalo. If that's the case, don't even watch the game. When we come back, we'll be breaking down Alabama's offense. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. 
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Roaring into the national championship game. The dogs are barking as they make their way to Atlanta to face fourth-ranked Alabama. Nick Saban has an opportunity to tie Bear Bryant. Six national championships if he wins Monday night. Five with the Crimson Tide, one with LSU back in 2003. Unbelievable feat. But he's going to need that rushing attack to get going. This is an Alabama offense averaging 255 rushing yards on the ground, but a different offense at the start of the year, Rich, than in the second half. This is an Alabama offense that in the first eight games of 2017 rushed for 298 yards per game in the last four against FBI opponents. Mercer was sure. in there at Excluded. the end. Yeah. 167 and a half rushing yards per game. That's not going to get it done against this Georgia Bulldog defense. No, that, that that is not enough. I mean, they have to establish the ground game. I'm a big Damian Harris fan. We didn't really talk about him too much during the NFL segment, but I think he's going to make a very good NFL back. I do. I, I like the way he works between the tackles. I like the way he bounces off tacklers gets additional yards after contact. Damian Harris, Bo Scarborough, you've got talented, physical, vintage Alabama backs, but if you can't establish the running game, you can't count on Jalen Hurts as a passer. He has not made the progressions that a lot of Alabama fans expected this season. He's got the great wide receiver in Calvin Ridley, who we discussed, but not enough other weapons to compliment Calvin Ridley. So it really comes down to that ground game. And I'll throw a statistic out. Georgia will be, if not the best defense, certainly one of the two, three best defenses Alabama has faced this year against their five best defensive opponents. The Alabama offense, that's not counting special teams or defensive touchdowns, against their five best opponents, Alabama's offense is averaging 20 points per game. I mean, that is just a horrible number for a would-be national champion. So I think they're going to struggle offensively. A lot is going to be contingent upon Brian Dayball, his inventiveness, his ability to get Jalen Hurts out in space. If not for Jalen Hurts' legs... I don't think I can count on his arm right now, especially on third downs. Great point. He only passed for 120 yards in that matchup against Clemson's defense. They really took away Calvin Ridley for much of the game. He did make some big plays in red zone opportunities, but outside of that, they didn't give up a huge play offensively to Jalen Hurts. When I talked about the rushing offense as well, in the first eight games of the year, Alabama won those games 33.3 points per game. In the second half of the season, those victories... 
13 points per game. The Mississippi State game. Mississippi State, LSU, Auburn, they lost that game. You look at Clemson, I mean, 18-point performance, but seven of them came by the defense picking up the touchdown and and scoring off the turnover. So this is a different offense. I think in order for Alabama to win this ballgame, they need the running game more than anything, and I think it's more important Jalen Hurts in the running game, his ability to break contain, because, again, we have to see the matchup. I don't think Georgia will play man-to-man coverage. I just don't think they'll do it. But Kirby Smart, he might roll the dice early if he does, and Hurts can make some big plays with his legs. It could be it could be a high-scoring game in that factor. So I think that's the chess match between Brian Dable and Kirby Smart in this ballgame. You know, at a time when, when LSU has cut ties after one season surprisingly with <laughs> Un- Matt Canada. Unreal. Yeah, I mean, Matt Canada ballyhooed the offensive coordinator that everyone, everybody wanted for the job that he did at Pittsburgh and Nathan Peterman, but one year and out, I think if Alabama struggles offensively Monday night against Georgia, particularly if it winds up being a loss, I don't think Nick Saban is happy with Brian Dable. And, so? and not just because of the outburst on the sideline. This offense has regressed to Joe's point wisely. That offense has regressed throughout the season. I don't think they have an identity right now. They have Jalen Hurts. They have those backs, but they seem to be sort of a misguided kind of a, 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 a an offense that hasn't really found its identity. They haven't been able to work Calvin Ridley in as much as they would like. They struggle on third downs. And again, Lester Cotton, the right guard, a big, physical, typical Alabama blocker, if he is not available or less than 100%, they go to a journeyman senior, J.C. Hassenauer, who I think is going to struggle against that Georgia defensive line. So this is going to be a real tall order for Dable and that Alabama offense. Well, here's the thing as well. Third down conversions. You look at the national championship game last year, two of 15 third down conversions against Clemson's defense. This is an offense overall that's converting 42% of their conversions. But you look at some of the better teams on their schedule. In that domination of Florida State, they only converted 18% of their opportunities. Against LSU, it was 35 Against Auburn, it was 30s. They struggled against the better teams, Mississippi State as well, in the area of right around 35% against the Bulldogs. So if Jalen Hurts is put into long passing situations where he's going to have to make his reads and progressions, look down uh, opposing coverages, that could be the recipe as well, which plays out, though. I think, again, if you're Brian Dable as well, you want to get an up-tempo attack with Jalen Hurts on the perimeter to force an up-tempo game, and I could see a lot of points here, though. I could see this game being high-scoring. know a lot of people are looking towards the under, but I think this game could be very high-scoring because of the offense's ability to score first. Whichever team scores first, I, I think disagree. will win. I, I think the only way this is a high-scoring game or an over game is if it's from somebody other than the offensive playmakers, I, I don't like either offense versus the opposing defense. I, I, I think it is advantage defense in both cases. Certainly when you match up this Alabama offense versus the Georgia defense, you have one wide receiver to contend with if you're Georgia. And the Georgia pass defense last week notwithstanding against Oklahoma where they struggled in the first half, Second half, they turned things around. But I, I, I think Georgia's pass defense against Calvin Ridley and Jalen Hurts is edge to the dogs. 
Same thing with the with the run defense. I I think uh, Alabama's rushing offense has struggled throughout the season. Now you're down an offensive lineman. You know what's coming play after play. There's a predictability to it. I don't think you can count on Jalen Hurts. And again, not just because I like to say his name, but Tua Tagovailoa, I would not be shocked if there is a package in place for him to play a series, and I have talked to Alabama people, I know this drives folks nuts. It's not <laughs> that I I know that you know Jalen Hurts twenty five and two in his career. That's great, but he has he's gone sideways in terms of his development. Tua is a player who the folks in Alabama absolutely love, and it's looking ahead, which I do too often sometimes. But in 2018, I think there's going to be a legitimate quarterback battle between Jalen Hurts and Tago Viola because he has a higher ceiling than Jalen Hurts does. Do you feel, and I'm going, I just want to get your take in terms of you look at Nick Saban really berating Brian Dable in that 18-point win. He was on the sidelines. He, with seven minutes left, didn't like the fact that they had a three and out uh, when they took the ball over around the 38-yard line. He wanted another score to possibly rest his defense in that ball game, but he didn't get it. Now there's a lot of pressure on Brian Dable. There's a lot of pressure on Nick Saban. He won't admit it. But he wants that sixth national championship. I think in a he's huge feeling way. a lot. And I think, huge I think, way. I, the sixth is one thing, Joe, but I think he's feeling a lot of pressure because he lost last year's national championship game in the waning seconds to Clemson. I think if he loses a national championship national championship game because of where the bar is set in Tuscaloosa for a second straight year to one of his former assistant coaches. I think that will weigh extraordinarily heavy on Nick Saban. I think there's far more pressure on Alabama since they lost the national championship last year than there is on Georgia. To some extent, I think Georgia's playing with house money because a lot of folks did not expect them to get to this place. Yeah, and Jerry Judy's a player that really hasn't lived up to expectations. He was supposed to be another compliment wide receiver to Calvin Ridley. He was supposed to be the next Calvin Ridley. Looked great in the spring game, but, I mean, only 14 receptions on the year. I mean, if he had half the production of Calvin Ridley, 25, 26 receptions, 500 yards. They need an Ardarius Stort. That's what they need. But they 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 don't have it right now. So, I mean, so from an offensive perspective, that's why I say they need to run the football early, dictate the tempo, because you look at some teams like Mississippi State that really pushed the tempo against Alabama. They were in a dogfight for much of the way in Starkville. Yeah, as a lot of teams were. I mean, Alabama, those early blowouts sort of disappeared as the season went on. And I I know part of that was injuries, part of that was attrition, but that was really on the defensive side of the ball. The offense didn't suffer through any major injuries. And yet that offense got more and more impotent as the season went on. And and I think to some extent that falls on Jalen Hurts. Now, one thing I will say, one advantage Alabama does have is Jalen has played in this game before. Jake Fromm hasn't. So from an experience standpoint, that really does help the Alabama quarterback versus uh, Jake Fromm. And he hasn't turned the ball over. He's completed Uh, 60% of his passes, over 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, one interception. As as long as you do that and maintain drives, you give your team an opportunity opportunity to win ball games so this is an Alabama team that enters this battle plus 13 in turnover margin when we come back we'll be talking to uh, Big Ten analyst Jerry DiNardo will get his take on the Big Ten and the national championship game Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34 
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Solid bowl performance in 2017 by the Big Ten. Eight and one overall. The only loss to the conference came by Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines over South Carolina. If you want to get some Big Ten info, you reach out to the Big Ten analyst on the Big Ten Network. He joins us live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. Big Ten analyst Jerry DiNardo. Coach, how are you today? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks. Coach, great performance by Urban Meyer in Ohio State in the conference overall, 8-1 and one against uh, bowl opponents in 2017. Give us your thoughts about what you saw transpire uh, this past December. Well, I didn't see all of the bowl games, obviously. I had to be at the Orange Bowl and at the Outback, so my travels uh, didn't allow me to see all of them. But I think big picture, Joe, obviously 7-1. and one, You know, it only could have been one better. You know, I think we have to realize a couple things. The matchups were good. You know, every year when we do the selection show on Sunday, the day after championship Saturday, you know, we always try to predict the matchups. So we thought the matchups were good. And then the other thing is when you're not in the playoffs, which the Big Ten wasn't in, everybody gets bumped down one, right? So if you take the best teams from a conference and put them in the playoffs, then that, you know, that diminishes your chances to do well in the bowl game. I mean, one of the reasons the SEC isn't doing better in bowl games this year is they have two teams in the, in the playoffs. And so it was a little bit fortunate, unfortunate, good news, bad news for the Big Ten that we were 7-1. and one. one of the reasons was because we didn't get in the playoffs and our best teams were in the bowl game situation. Coach, I always look at the bowl season more uh, in terms of next season than last season. I think it's a good opportunity to get a read on teams heading into 2018. And one of the teams I like is Michigan State. They looked great against Washington State. Could you talk a little bit about Brian Lewerke, his development, and what Mark D'Antonio did? I mean, last year, you know, we were ready to put dirt on Mark D'Antonio because of some of the problems he was having in the offseason. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I think you hit it right on the head with teams that tell you something about the future because of the bowl games. Uh, Lewerke, and, and if you look at Mark D'Antonio's history at Michigan State, his success has been gradual. It, it, it's been dynamic, but it's also been quarterback-based. I mean, this is the problem Michigan has. Michigan State has solved that problem. Ohio State they have solved the quarterback problem. Penn State has solved the quarterback problem. So Michigan State, they kind of reload with Pulawerke, uh, a really young team. And I, and I think the other thing is a team that's not entitled. I mean, what Mark D'Antonio said about last year's team is that we had some players born on third base thinking they hit a triple. 
And th- this isn't that kind of team. And these are the best teams to Mark D'Antonio, the non-entitled, the blue-collar type of team. So I think you hit it on the head when you say if there's any team that the bowl indicated about 2018 in the Big Ten, it was Michigan State. Coach, when I look at James Franklin and that victory over Washington, I was very impressed with the offense's ability to convert on third down. I thought they would struggle without offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead that became the head coach of Mississippi State. Uh, But what did they do from an offensive perspective to dominate the Washington Huskies the way they did? And more importantly, can this continue in 2018? Yeah, I can answer the second question, Joe. Again, I didn't see the Washington game and haven't had a chance to watch the game tape. Uh, but I think we have to be impressed with James Franklin. And and you mentioned it with coaching changes. You know, Joe Moorhead was the second offensive coordinator. They're on their second defensive coordinator. And yet they kind of reload with coaches. I think James has a really good feel for who's out there compared to who's already on his staff. And so... Uh, I wasn't surprised that this will that this will continue offensively for uh, Penn State. Now, you know, obviously they're going to miss Saquon, but Trace is back, and a lot of the other players are back. But I just think this Penn State program is on such solid ground, and James probably doesn't get enough credit for the X and O part. You know, I think he gets a bad rap being a really good recruiter, which he is, but people don't give him enough credit X and O wise. Coach, uh, Jim Harbaugh, obviously a lightning rod for attention, a lot of which he brings on himself, uh, for better or for worse. He's going to attract a lot of attention this offseason. Do you think there's been an overreaction at this point to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and the struggles that they had culminating uh, in that collapse against South Carolina? No, I, I think, if anything, it's been an underreaction to the lack of success on the field. I mean, you look at their team, uh, all conference, they had four defensive all Big Ten players, none on offense. Jake Rudock was the only good quarterback they had. He was a transfer from, from Iowa. They haven't recruited a quarterback. Their offensive line is a little bit stiff, a little bit of waist benders. They're not as athletic as some of the other better teams in the Big Ten. He was 5-4 and four in the conference. Uh, in his third year, uh, he was third place in his first two years. And, and so I, I think he's kind of got a pass. I will say this. I, I, I think people have to understand the history of Michigan football was, has been that they never had the better players between them and Ohio State. Even when Bo and Woody were there, Woody got the better players. Bo got the second best players. And then there were eight-week teams. And so it was the big two and the little eight. For generations and generations. Now the conference is split up in East and West, and the East has a coach rocking and rolling in Columbus, rocking and rolling in State College, rocking and rolling in East Lansing. And this guy in, in Ann Arbor, he's got the toughest job of any Michigan coach in the history of Michigan football. And so it's a little bit of situation, but I certainly think he can do better offensively coaching and recruiting and then maybe challenge those other three. Coach, when you look at Ohio State's domination of Sam Darnold and USC, a lot of Big Ten uh, proponents will say we need to expand the playoff because of the domination in that bowl game, the Cotton Bowl. Are you uh, on the side of expanding the playoffs, or do you like the four teams the way it plays out currently? No, I I think to expand the playoffs is to continue to uh, move in the wrong direction with college football. 
The kids are playing enough snaps, Joe. I mean, the college game is longer than the pro game. These kids are playing more snaps than an NFL team and an NFL player that's getting paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. It doesn't matter whether there's two teams in the BCS or four teams in the, in the, in the championship. Most of college football, most of the participants, 95% of the participants of college football will never even get close to playing for a national championship. And we're going to reorganize everybody's schedule by expanding the playoffs. We're going to make guys play even more snaps than they've been playing so far. And, and it doesn't impact but 5% of college football. Leave it alone for the love of God. It, 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 we, everyone doesn't have to be included. I'll say this. Every year of this playoff, the best team in college football has been one of the four. So we have given the best team in college football an opportunity to win the national championship. In college basketball, when you have 64 teams, yes, the best team has a chance to win the national championship in basketball, but more times than not, the best team doesn't win the NCAA basketball championship because they play too many games and there's too many chances for elimination. I was in favor of the BCS. I'm in favor of this thing, and I am totally against any more expansion. That's a that's a really good point, Coach. Um, you know, I, Scott Frost. I'm so excited that he's a part of the Big Ten. I've long been a fan of Scott, uh, going back to his days at Oregon. Now he's back at his alma mater. If anybody could turn it around at Nebraska, I would assume he's the one. A tough job, but what are your expectations for Scott Frost in 2018 and looking ahead in 2019? Okay. I- I'm with the direction. If anyone can turn around, it's Scott Frost. I can live with that. Okay, I can live with that statement. But the same people, including myself, that say that about Scott Frost and yourself included, we said the same thing about Jim Harbaugh. So it's not quite that easy. It's not what it used to be. Okay. Now I will say this: any coach of Nebraska should be competing for the West Division in the Big Ten for the last weekend in November. To me, that's the minimum expectation. They have more resources. They, they have more history. They should be dominating the West. But first, before they can dominate the West, they have to compete for the West. Then here's the problem. Here's the problem with if he can turn it around, if he can't turn it around, nobody else can. What do we mean by turning it around at Nebraska? Do we mean winning the Big Ten and going to the playoffs? I would imagine that's what we that's what we would consider turning it around. Well, you got to go through the East, which means you have to recruit better players or as good a players as Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State. And in this environment, in recruiting, being in a remote location, it's harder than it's ever been to kind of to attract that kind of talent to Lincoln. Now, the new rules are going to help the paid junior visitation and the early signing. But I'll go with you. If, if Scott can't do it, maybe nobody can do it. Although they said that long before Bill Snyder got to Kansas State. So, you know, let's wait and see. But I just, just a word of caution for the Nebraska fans. You know, Michigan brought back their quarterback, too. So it's a little different world right now. It used to be flat. Now it's round. Mm. Coach, great insight and information. We hope you enjoyed it today. We'd love to get you on in the offseason talking some spring football. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me.
Big Ten analyst Jerry yeah, DiNardo. So Do you good. hear the passion? Uh, he's yeah, so I, good, agree, I agree with him, though, with the college football playoff. Controversy has been a part of college football for as long as you can re- remember, as long as I can remember. Back in 1980, they were, there was controversy. Let's not change it. It's a great, great product. We're not competing with the NFL here. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And one quick thing. Where should Nebraska be? Coach brings up an excellent point. I think the bar should be set at Wisconsin. I, I do. I, I think if you could be as good as Wisconsin is out of the Big Ten West, then you've done your job. I, competing with the Ohio States, the Penn States, and the Michigans is going to be difficult, Joe. But if you could be the Badgers out West, that's, or that's a great Iowa, place to two, start. Three years yeah. ago, they were in the Big Ten championship game, undefeated at 12-0. and 0. So when we come back, we'll be talking more BCS, uh, BCS uh, college football playoff, Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. For former Georgia Bulldog linebacker Rennie Curran to join us, talk about what Georgia has to do from a defensive perspective to get the victory over Alabama. But we'll talk about what Jerry DiNardo mentioned about Nebraska and head coach Scott Frost taking that to the next level. You mentioned Wisconsin. I brought up Iowa. Again, but people in Lincoln want national championships. They well, want the black shirts of back. Of course they do. But you know what? I think realistically, I love Jerry's comment of, you know, the world is is flat versus round. <laughs> it's a different world that we're living in. This is not 1978. This is not 1983. You know, Tom Osborne is not walking through the tunnel. It's a completely different era. And there's no shame in being Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin is not going to be a perennial national championship contender. They just don't get that caliber of athletes. But when you're Wisconsin and you're winning the West and you're occasionally winning the Big Ten and you're competing on a grand stage and you're playing in the Orange Bowl like they just did beating Miami, that to me is something to be proud of. And I think Nebraska, with their history, with their backing, with their facilities, I think they can get to that level. Uh, I'll give you my thoughts about that. But we're joined by former Georgia Bulldog linebacker Rennie Curran. Rennie, how are you today? Doing great, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, our pleasure. The dogs are barking, Rennie, all the way to the Mercedes-Benz Dome National Championship on the line. Give me your thoughts about what you saw from the progression of Kirby Smart's defense, especially in the second half of that matchup against Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield. Man, I mean, the biggest thing I saw in the second half was just relentless effort. You know, you look at a guy like I would talk about Raquan Smith, um, somebody who they compare to me a lot, um, and, and, you know, somebody who they say reminds uh, them a lot of me. But he, he just made some amazing plays, just sideline to sideline player. Um, you look at the defensive linemen, how they're able to step up and make plays when they needed to. 
Um, <clears throat> even in the defensive backfield, we had Sanders come up with the big interception. I mean, there's just plays make, uh, made all over the field. And when you have that team effort, when you're able to come back and kind of have that bend but don't break mentality as a defense, um, there's always going to be great things that happen. And, of course, we saw what the offense did with the run game with Sonny Michelle and, and Nick Chubb and those guys. So, uh, yeah, everything just came together for us in that second half. Reddy, you brought up Roquan Smith. That's where I wanted to go first. Uh, I, there aren't a lot of defenders I can say definitively that I love to watch. He is an exception. I mean, he plays like a guided missile. He has been compared to you in a favorable sense. Break down his game as a linebacker, as a defender. What have you seen in Roquan Smith? What makes him so special? Man, what makes Roquan so special is definitely the fact that he is technique sound. When you look at a lot of linebackers, that you have the type that either play like off, they're, they're playing with their shoulders. You know, they're uh, only guys who can uh, make plays when they're not blocked. Uh, Roquan has it all. He's able to engage blockers uh, and get off of them, disengage, make plays. He's even just able to make those special plays that you, you think, you know, like I saw one play during the game that there was an offensive lineman basically like tackling him. He was able to dip his shoulder down and just make the play in the backfield for a TFL. I mean, just instinctive plays that you can't really coach. He has that just special knack of uh, the ability to just make those those plays, you know, whether it's sideline to sideline, um, plays that are out of reach, you know, on a wide receiver. Uh, he's able to do the pass rush. I mean, just uh, just really, really technique down. Plays under control, isn't wild, you know, with his pursuit. Uh, also, is just consistent. You know, that's the biggest thing as a linebacker. You see guys who have good games here and there, um, but Raquan, from what I've watched this whole entire season, he's just been a consistent playmaker that's always dependable, uh, a leader on the defense as well. I mean, that's that's something that's a great intangible to have. But, yeah, he, he really is the full package. Rennie, when you look at the progression from your former head coach, Mark Rick, to what we see in terms of a mentality and a culture shock with new head coach Kirby Smart, I know you're close to the program. You visit practice in the offseason. What is the biggest change that you can see uh, from the Bulldogs, even from a couple of years ago until uh, what, the team that we see taking the field on Monday night? Man, um I'd say the biggest difference is, is definitely the level of expectation that, that Kirby has set. I remember going to Washington practice. I mean, that, that guy, I thought he was going to have a heart attack out there at practice. <laughs> I mean, he is just 0 to 100, uh, like at a drop of a dime. If, God, if he feels like guys aren't going hard enough or guys aren't operating at a championship level, like he is in their ear. He is yelling at the top of his, his lungs. I mean, I was like, wow, this is just a lot of energy out here. Um, you know, and so just watching that and seeing uh, how the guys have, have bought into it, because that's part of it, too. You know, you can have a coach like that who's yelling at you, who's in your face every single day, and you can just get fed up and be like, man, look, I'm not trying to hear about this guy anymore. I'm not. And we did have guys, if you think about it, we had guys who left the program, and I'm, guarantee, I'm guaranteeing you that those are the guys who were not buying into the Kirby Smart way of doing things. But the guys who are there now, these seniors who've returned back, who bought in and have also – uh, taking on that player leadership, that, that's been the biggest uh, piece. So I always believe that it's, it's culture and it's leadership uh, from the coaches and then also player-to-player leadership, how they hold each other accountable. When you look at this team, this is a team that has that, has all those pieces, has guys that not only hold each other accountable but really, truly love each other. You know, when you look at these teams who came back, I mean, you, there's, there's um, no coincidence in the success that they've had. It's, it's all about their preparation. It's all about the things that they do when nobody's watching. 
you know, when the TVs aren't on and, and all those things. So that's been the biggest difference with this team. Rennie, I, I think people forget, uh, people who maybe don't follow college football that closely, that uh, Jake Fromm was not the starting quarterback, was not supposed to be the starting quarterback this season until Jacob Beeson went down. And everybody remarks on his poise, his maturity for a true freshman. What have you seen in the young man in terms of his preparation for uh, for college football that has made him so successful in year one? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit, he hit the nail on the head with that. It's preparation. And the day that he walked on campus, you know, I talked to a lot of the uh, younger guys, you know, um, Davin Bellamy, I talked to Laquan, of course, but everybody talked about his work ethic when he came on campus. Everybody talked about how this guy is religious in the film room, how this guy, you know, goes the extra mile. He, he's a early transfer enrollee, and from the day he walked uh, walked on that campus, he's put in the work. It's the same thing with me. You don't see a true freshman get out there and, and dominate it. You know, just like when I got on campus, it's like it's relentless effort, relentless, like, day to day consistently getting getting in that film room, locking down your um your assignments, not only your assignments but understanding what goes on uh, for the different positions around you. And to be able to do that as a freshman, that really should tell you how hard this guy works, you know, when nobody's watching once again. And he's really put in that time. I mean, I can't even comprehend how many hours in uh of film work he's put in to be able to operate at that level as a freshman. Um, it, it's just amazing to see his, his like you said, his poise um, and just how comfortable he is doing things like changing plays at, at the line of scrimmage in such a big moment like that. I mean, I was so impressed by seeing that and just how he's been able to handle the success because, you know, on one hand, you have a guy who's striving to get to that position of being a starter, but it's like, okay, once you get there, once you start having the success, how do you handle that? And he's been able to just stay humble and be able to uh, stay consistent, which tells you just how mature he is uh, for being that age. Uh, so I'm just very, very impressed, and I think he has a very, very bright future ahead of him. Rennie, when you look at the X's and O's and you look at the defensive game plan going up against Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts, I, I believe that Kirby Smart will play man, uh, more zone coverage as opposed to man-to-man and not utilize a lot of blitzes off the edge, which could open up running lanes uh, for Jalen Hurts on the perimeter. What's the biggest thing you have to do as a linebacker uh, going up against a mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts to get this win on Monday night? Man, um, that's that's definitely a challenge. Uh, obviously, you have to be able to make those plays uh, when the opportunities come. When you're facing a mobile quarterback like that, you have the onus is on you as a linebacker because most of the time um, during that week, you know, you're going to have the assignment of a QB spy. So at times, maybe it's third down when you know it's third and short. The defense coordinator is going to give you that assignment where wherever that quarterback goes, you, you, we know he likes to run. So you're going to be uh, that guy who has the assignment of making sure that he does not take off and has the open lane to run. And so when you have that assignment, you got to make sure if he does run that you make that play, you know, in the open field, which is what's going to be a lot of the situation when you have a running quarterback like that. And then at the same time, you have to have your defensive backs behind you who are disciplined enough to stay on their guys, stay on, on whoever they uh, whoever's in their zone or whoever they have man-to-man to make sure that they stay on him because that's what can get tricky. When you're playing a mobile quarterback, he can sometimes look like he's going to take off. And then you get curious as a defensive back or as a linebacker, you get off your man, all of a sudden you got an open open offensive player, uh, whether it's a running back or a wide receiver, that that quarterback that seems um, like he's about to run can just dip it off to. 
And so it can get very, very tricky. So you, you have to play disciplined football. You have to be able to make plays in the open field. And then you have to get off the, you know, get off the field in third down. That's one thing I saw us kind of struggle with uh, early in the game um, that we, we cannot do against this Bama offense because if they get on a roll, they smell blood, they get confidence, it's going to be a long day for us. Rennie, great insight and information. You're a former standout in the SEC, and you're doing great work. Just a class act. We hope you enjoyed it today. Thank you so much, guys. Go dogs. I love the Go Dogs. Yeah. Corey Allen, yeah. Rennie Curran, uh, they're all for the dogs, and the wonder, dogs will be barking. Yeah, I, I always wonder, where will a Rennie Curran be watching? What will that situation be like? What's, uh, what is his game time ritual for watching his alma mater in that long-awaited national championship attempt? I'm going to be, be locked and loaded, strapped into the seat, almost like an airplane chair. Yeah, because, yeah like in the DX racer chair, buckled up watching that game mm. because if they jump out Good early. colors for the DX, it is. right? With it the is. black and red. Georgia, Georgia Bulldog. Georgia Bulldog, black Without and red a doubt, but DX racers. He yeah. did mention the culture change with Kirby Smart, and, and, and you, that's the and biggest takeaway. you have take done away. that all offseason, which has been a great take on your part. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the big game. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. There is college football action today at about 12 o'clock. It's the FCS Championship. North Dakota State, James Madison. James Madison, the Dukes, the defending national champions. Undefeated, 14-0. Knocking off Bo Pelini in Youngstown State last year, 28-7. Carson Wentz's alma mater, though, was a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to go with the Bison here. I, I like you? their physicality on defense. I think they can get this victory. I, they're laying three and a half. I think they get the uh, the win here. I'm even though taking the points seen. and the money line. I think oh, James gosh. Madison completes its perfect season. Really? Their FCS is UCF. They're going to win. Uh, they're going to be lobbying over they're, No, no lobbying, no lobbying necessary. I, I love this James Madison defense. Think, think about this from the pass defense standpoint. North Dakota State has, has a dual threat in Easton Stick, right? Right. But if you can neutralize Easton's passing, this becomes a very different North Dakota State offense. And James Madison's pass defense, listen to these numbers. Nine touchdown passes allowed, 31 picks. Number one in the country, pass efficiency defense. Number two in the country? North Dakota State. So you have two outstanding defenses, two of the best FCS programs, two terrific coaching staffs. I think this is going to be an outstanding game. A couple of things. I think this will be better 
than about 30 of the oh, bowl games. Oh, come on. 30 at least. No. At 32. See? I'm going to keep raising no. you when you give me that look. There's going to be like 5,000 fans in no, the stands. No, no. I've been told by friends in Frisco, Texas, that this is a sellout, number one. Right. And number two, there's some scalping going on. These tickets are going for like $250. It's a big deal. This is a big game for the FCS standards. And, and again, oh, it's I'm better than this. most of the bowl games. Come on, Joe. It'll. This it, is. The, you think the Independence Bowl is better? I like than the Independence Bowl. Oh my god! I do. You see, I, I can't, can't get away I from can't, the. I can't. I, it's I know. great, and I know we've had some great talent come out of the FCS level. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Graps, Southern Illinois, the Salukis, mm. right? Jimmy Graps and Carson Wentz. Now, so now we'll have Joe Flacco. Every scout flood the FCS level How to long? look to look for all these uh, Brian Westbrook, Walter Payton. Right. Okay. Right, and I'm I'm just going to keep saying the problem with the NFL scouts is that every NFL scout wants to find the next Jimmy Graps, so they'll go, they'll pick 50 FCS players and miss on 50 FBS guys that are ahead of them that play for Alabama and Clemson. I think those and FCS LSU. players are adequately vetted they're, out when it comes to NFL. And not all. Time. Not all. They're scouts that every big board, they're flooded with FCS well, talent. Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay. I think the, the, the media scouts, the, the million websites that pop up and, and consider themselves to be experts when it comes to the NFL draft, they're looking for the next Carson Wentz at the FCS level, but the NFL scouts though they'll do their homework i don't think they miss that often on those fcs kids they don't miss on them the ones that they do select but in terms of the big board when they have these players drafted they have a number of fcs guys ahead uh, Tariq coleman okay a younger lower a great player great talent for chicago you're telling me that there's not better talent from the acc and the sec you can't find another running back compliment to Tariq cohen orleans darkware for new york giants how he's the leading rusher is beyond me i'm sorry i know he played for tulane solid running back i just i, I again wayne galman should be the starter in new york you're telling me orleans darkwa that rushes for i mean he i can run faster than he can i mean come on come, i i doubt that's the case i but think I, I could beat him in a race well uh, may, can we maybe get him in the if, studio maybe if he's hopping on one foot you would be able to beat him in a race. I, I love the FCS players. You know why? They play with a chip on their shoulder. And they right, play with something to prove. And I think this is going to be a competitive, entertaining game in Frisco today. I'm going to say James Madison, the Dukes, get to 15-0. and They've got 48 sacks. They have that great pass defense. I think it's a game worth watching this I, afternoon. I, I'll watch it. I'm going for the Bison. Carson Wentz's alma mater laying the three and a half. Lay the wood with the Bison. They get the victory over undefeated James Madison. When we come back, we'll be talking about Alabama's defense led by Jeremy Pruitt, Joe Lisi, and Ritz Live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34.